not just mere sobriety and not doing a drug, right? It was finding a savior and being set free from those things. Amen. Amen. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. Yes, we are back. Episode two of the new series. If you're catching in, hey, we've started this uh, podcast, Life After Addiction, started it back up. We have about 55 episodes of just audio and the host, I'm Adam Comer, and this is Ryan Chittister, and we are bringing it to you again. Today, uh, if, you've, if you've not watched episode one, please go watch it, but today we want to talk about something that God called us as a ministry to do that we didn't really want to do, nor did we know how to do, but it's, as you can see, it's the forgotten pandemic. So the forgotten pandemic, if you haven't seen it, please go and check it out. It's the, the place you could find it is theforgottenpandemic.com. Pretty easy to remember, theforgottenpandemic.com. And we believe the reason that God called us to that is kind of just in the title. Um, we, we see just overdose deaths. If you just look at last year in 2020, it rose 30%. There's 93,000 people died of drug overdose deaths in this country. And we feel like this is something that's forgotten. And I honestly think that those numbers are low. And that doesn't even include alcohol-related deaths. And so God called us to do this. It was an interesting time, Ryan. Uh, if you remember, it was early 2020 when we felt this call, and early 2020 was also an interesting year because a pandy wandy hit. Yeah. So for me, um, absolutely. When Adam, you know, uh, spoke to us as a staff and felt that God was leading us and calling us in this direction for a documentary. Um, it really resonated with me on a level as far as I remember what it was like and the hopelessness that I felt for so many years mm. after being told that basically I'm stuck and trapped. You know, um, there wasn't many resources that uh, spoke of freedom in Christ mm. that I could find, whether it be on YouTube, the Internet, um, anywhere, you know, Amazon, whatever it may be. And so that's something that really spoke to me as well. And, and proclaiming that there is absolute freedom, not sobriety, right? Freedom from addiction. Sobriety for me was chasing after this thing that was found in self, right? My own strength, my own uh, peace, my own uh, courage, whatever it may be. Mm. But in Christ, right? So freedom in Christ comes with a savior. Freedom in Christ comes with forgiveness. You know, it comes with sanctification. Yeah. It comes with the power of God. Right. That's what I was searching for, not just mere sobriety and not doing a drug. Right. It was finding a savior and being set free from those things. Amen. Amen. And those are all awesome and truth that I think the people can resonate with. The church can resonate with. But I don't know how you're showing your face here on episode two after that embarrassment of eating that hot hot, hot gummy bear. You did not handle that well. And so that's a little embarrassing, but you mentioned sobriety and freedom. And I always think that there's a difference and these aren't Webster's definitions, right? Uh, but sobriety, when I hear that, I think of, I'm not doing something because of the consequences. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this drug. I'm not going to have this drink because I know that if I do, I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to, I'm going to have family issues. I'm going to have legal issues. I'm going to have work issues. Freedom, the difference to me, freedom is 
I no longer want to do those things. Absolutely. It's not that I can't. It's I don't want to do those things. And so really God put this on our heart to make this documentary. And I think, honestly, it was to, to embolden the church because you've heard us say it on the earlier episode. If you haven't, you're going to hear us say this a lot. We really believe, we really believe that from the rooms of recovery comes the revival of a nation. And so we felt this calling to make this documentary, to embolden the church, to tell them that addiction's not a surprise to God. And if you recall, a pandemic hit, it was crazy, but also in that season, man, documentaries blew up. You had the Tiger King. (laughs) You had the Last Dance with Michael Jordan. You had the Social Dilemma. And it's just documentaries really started becoming so intriguing in this country. Maybe they always have been, but it seemed like there was all this popularity. And so we made the forgotten pandemic and you were in it. Yeah. What did you think of that? I mean, you, you get pretty personal. You, you tell about, um, a a day in your life that you'll never forget. You want to share that? Yeah. So 2017, I believe it was June. Um, I overdosed on heroin in a friend's backyard. Um, and I'm going to fast forward a little bit and then I'll rewind. So I ended up overdosing and my parents didn't even know about it. Hmm. Fast forward five days after that overdose, my mom sends me a link to S2L recovery. Oh, wow. Um, she had been sending me what I call essays for years, just long messages <laughs> saying, you know, you need what to, a good mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> best mother in the world. Yeah. So you need to get help. You need to do these things. And, you know, I would delete them just because I hated who I was. Just the shame mm. and guilt was eating at me. But I know it was the spirit of the Lord that caused me to read that message. And I saw that that y'all's website said Christ centered recovery. And something in me was like, man, if nothing else has worked, this has got to be it. And so I was on a plane the next day Wow! and I came into the program and (laughs) my parents actually came and visited me that first time in 2017 when I was here. And I told my parents whenever they came up and saw me, I said, Hey, I I overdosed on heroin over at my my friend Mm. Taylor's house in his backyard. I think his mother helped me out. Can you go over there and thank her? And so they got back and she goes over to Taylor's mom's house and ends up speaking to her. She calls me on one of my phone days as a student and is bawling. And I'm mm. like, what's, what's your wrong? Mom was, your my mom, mom was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I said, what's wrong? And she said, Ryan, I just talked to Taylor's mom and she told me the story. I was like, okay, so, so what happened? And so apparently um, when I overdosed, you know, Taylor ran inside and grabbed his mom immediately and she came outside um, and she started to give me CPR for a few minutes. She mm. said she kept trying to give me CPR. She said I wouldn't budge. So she ran inside and grabbed her husband and they began to pray over me. Mm. She said, Becky, we kept praying. We kept praying. And she said at one point, like I sat up and my eyes just got real big. Um, and, and Taylor's mom said that was the devil in your son, Becky. And I told him he wasn't going to win. Mm. Um, I went back out and came and got me. I went to one hospital. I was in bad shape. So they sent me to another one. Um, I actually just got a bill for that. I think I was telling you a month ago, they finally sent it four years later and mm. it's, it's just amazing how God works. I got a check from Williamson, Williamson college for just over the amount that that bill was for. Wow. And really? so like, not only has he transformed my life and reconciled me back to, to God, the father, but just to see the intricate ways in which he works is so unique and profound. It never, it just never ceases to amaze me. Yeah. He mentioned, uh, Williamson college and that's actually a, an organization, Christian college, uh, that's partnering with the ministry, with the program, really. Yeah. And they're offering a, a really nice scholarship for staff, for alumni, for family of the staff, um, and so for interns. 
And so that's what he's referring to. Ryan's in school, and I guess you overpaid on tuition. They sent you a check. But, but yeah, and so the, the, getting back to the documentary, it's going to have amazing stories like Ryan's, um, but it also has pastors. It also has musicians. Zach Williams is in it. Um, Mark Hall is in it. And it's almost just this voice. And, and I'm starting to see when you're – I never wanted to make a film. I never knew how to make a film, and I very quickly – understood that it's very hard to make a quality film a lot of hours after not only not even including just shooting it and driving to locations setting up lights and doing all this stuff to shoot a film but the hours in editing and post-production and sound and you're getting you're getting it scored you're in a studio with violinists and you're it is so much that if I knew, if I knew how much work it was then, I probably would have been a little more resistant to the, to the impression of, hey, make a film. I'm like, ah, okay, well, maybe someone else, uh, not not S2L, but there's just this constant theme, and I'm we're seeing the fruit now because it's been out. It it, it came out uh, August 31st officially, International Overdose Awareness Day, yep. and just in the short month and a half, or, how, or whenever this 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 comes to youtube i think it'd be about a month and a half but even in the short time man there's been amazing feedback there's been uh things that doors that open we we were able to to uh get our lost and found curriculum on uh right now media because we showed them the documentary and they saw it and they they see this as hey the church needs to know this it's not a surprise to god why are we acting like it why are we sending uh, our loved ones to secular places that teach things that's antithetical to the Word of God. Yeah. And so the, the documentary is really just a, a voice almost in the wilderness. And, man, the feedback that we're getting is the church saying, yeah, that's right. This isn't something that we're unable. The church has always been the ones that marched into the storm and faced these issues. And we, you know, we're just kind of hearing... Which is amazing. I had you know no idea. None of us had any idea exactly what God was going to do with it. But it's almost like this battle cry for the church, not against anyone, but against this forgotten pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know, I can't speak for all churches, but there are some churches that I've been to. You know, they almost don't know how to deal with addiction recovery. That's right. You know, um, it's it's one of those tough things that I don't want to say unless you've experienced. You don't really have insight. As to what it looks like and why that stronghold is so, you know, um, clings to you so tightly. Um, But, yeah, it's absolutely it it affects if if you don't know somebody in your immediate family, you know, somebody that knows somebody. And so it plagues and affects our society and world more so than, you know, we often discuss and us being on the front lines of it. You know, we get to we get the blessing of seeing transformation like right in front of our eyes. And I've had many, you know, alumni reach out to me um, and just talk about their time at the lodge whenever they would watch that pandemic that resonated with the man, Mm. that hill is so special. I know that that intimacy in my relationship with Christ is possible because of that season, you know, um, the enemy can often, often cloud that and make us feel unworthy um, whenever we're coming out of addiction. Mm. Um, and so we, I, I used to do that as well. I would think back to that time as a student um, and that closeness that you feel with the Lord is just unparalleled to, to anything. And once you've experienced that, for me, the enemy could no longer again convince me that I was mm. ever stuck or trapped. Never again. Nope. I've seen too much. Mm-hmm. I've felt the presence of the Lord and I know freedom is possible because his word tells me. So that lie of I'm stuck or trapped, that would never work again. You repent, 
you turn from your sin and you know you ask the Lord for forgiveness and you continue to walk forward. That's right. That's right. And I mean, it, it's almost this, like I said, a battle cry. But there's even politicians that's in the film. Uh, the, there's a mayor um, of of Knox County. He's yeah. in it, uh, Glenn Jacobs, and he's actually under some hot water right now or some attention right now because he's um, rejecting the the mandate, the federal mandate to, for a hundred employees or more have to vaccinate their staff. And he's like rejecting that they have over a hundred, a hundred people on staff for the, the city of Knoxville, the County of Knoxville. And so oh, he's wow. like, so he's kind of under flame for that. But in the documentary, he says the government can't fix this. He says the church can powerful way more equipped. The church is way more equipped because it is a spiritual issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if it's a spiritual issue, which it is, right? We would think it's addiction is a lot of things, and it does change things in your brain, and there's all these other things that we could talk about. But at the end of the day, it is idolatry. It yeah. is exchanging God's glory and his, sub, and his promises that he leaves in his word for cheap bootleg substitutes that always end shortly and badly for you. And so if it's a spiritual issue, the church should rise up because we have the most authority. And you did mention something a second ago. You're like, that you know they're a little people could be timid because they don't have experience with it and things like that and i'll take it a step further and i think kind of hit the nail on the head i think strong believers you know bold believers are fearful to speak into this because the you know the fear of someone dying if i say the wrong thing someone could die Right, and that is true. I mean, I just gave you the data: ninety-three thousand people, and the not. Then there's way more alcohol deaths. That's a ton of deaths every year. That's true. But like I just said, they are dying. Right. When you don't talk, they are dying. Silence is deadly. Look at the numbers, and it's going like this. What about the church being bold? What about the church walking into this, proclaiming the freedom in Christ, as you just said in your story? whether they have experience or not. And and it's not like they have to like medically, we're not saying, I want to be clear. We're not saying that there's no place for the medical and the clinical community. We have all of those on, on our staff at S2L. We have doctors, nurse clinicians. Uh, we believe in that. We believe that those are gifts from God. Yep. Right. But, but like said in the documentary, all of those people, just like all of us on staff, we have a biblical worldview. So we know that guys when they come in to see us, we know that they're intrinsically made in the image of God. They're made in the Imago Dei, whether they're a believer or not. And so that means we're going to treat them with respect and dignity. So it doesn't mean that you take away medicine for a short time uh, or medical approaches or nursing or, or clinicians who've studied counseling and things like that. No, you add to those. You use those giftings of God. But what it does mean is that you come in with boldness. Yeah. We don't back down from the word. The word tells us. The word talks about drunkenness. Yeah. The word talks about be alert, be sober minded. So the authority that God's given, that is supreme. That's the absolute standard of truth. So why not the church speak into a spiritual issue? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for me, it's, I think there's two aspects to that. At least I can speak personally. You know, one, the addiction kind of prevented me or kept me from going to church or so I felt I didn't mm-hmm. feel worthy of going to church itself. But then also on the other hand, whenever you do go, it's like they almost don't know how to deal with someone who's actively yeah. in a current addiction. And that is a tough spot. Yeah, that's fair. You know? yeah. um, 
it, it is one of those tough things uh, because you, you obviously want to, you know, be a good shepherd of your congregation. Um, and so it, it's one of those really tight ropes to walk. I think that's what's so profound here at our ministry. Yeah, that's a good point. Is the fact that we've been through it. I, knew, I, I know it's a lie that the enemy was feeding me, but in our minds, you don't understand is what we say to everyone who tries to help us who hasn't been in our shoes. Now, I'm not saying that's the right outlook, but that's our perception of it. So whenever we're counseling these men and they know we've literally been in their shoes, man, that gives us an extra, you know, ear for them to listen. And that they, they allow us in, I would say, a lot sooner than they would to somebody who doesn't know what what it feels like, you know, and what yeah. the hold of addiction really feels like. Yeah, that's fair. And I guess that's, that's a great point. And I don't mean, I don't think we mean that by the church being bold and stepping into this, that doesn't mean that you take them into a room and you try to detox them yourself. You try right. to put them through a program. But what it does mean is you don't just send them down the road to the secular place. Because what they're hearing is antithetical to the Word of God. And what they're hearing when they come back to your church is going to be clashing. So what it means is that you partner with, with Christ-centered places. You send them. I mean, the, the body of Christ is meant for different things. It does mean that you engage, you step in there, you make it really hard for that person, that congregant, to, to stay in a life of addiction, and to make it really easy for them to walk into a place of recovery. For example, man, we partner. We have not just S2L, but we have a network of really good programs that are Christ-centered, that aren't going to tell the people that their identity is based in their in their addiction or that they're always going to be this and they have to be this. They're, they're going to come from a biblical worldview. That's right. And so the church can partner, that you partner with these places and send them there, but when they return, you treat them just like the guy that confessed adultery. You treat them just like the guy that confessed porn addiction or, or whatever it is. They're not different. Now, there's different, there's different things that are in, you know, that you could see addiction, the consequences are more visible, right? Absolutely. Uh, and so there's that, and you should have boundaries up, but invite them in. Have small group. Discipleship. Make disciples of all nations, and watch, man, from the rooms of recovery, the revival of the nation. I really believe that. Yeah, I, re- I really believe that as well. To the rooms of recovery, to the revival of a nation. Uh, we got Carl here in the studio oh, as well, gosh. and that's something he gets fired up yeah. about, just hearing that, because it speaks to the depths of his soul. And I know it yeah. speaks to every man if you're listening and you know, you're an alumni or you've been through addiction yourself and, and you know the power of Christ. Man, you feel compelled. You absolutely have, you know, um, a responsibility to reach back, you know, and proclaim that same freedom. And as, as Adam was just talking about, disciple others. Yeah. You know, we are called to disciple others and let them know that freedom is absolutely possible. That's right. Um, That's as right. both of us who have experienced, you know, the depths of addiction and the hopelessness that comes with it. We stand here and we sit here today and proclaim, man, that has no hold in my life anymore, mm-hmm. nor will it ever, right? And these are the truths and promises of God, and it's because of what Christ has done in me, and I boast in the things of Christ. It's nothing of Ryan. Yeah. But, man, I believe there is a position in Christ when you, where you get to where you should absolutely feel that way. Mm. Yeah, and, I mean, you mentioned Carl, and if you haven't seen episode one of the new series here, uh, you can go back and you could – We Carl's the producer of the show – um, there's a, a small video and a picture of Carl you could see. We love Carl. Uh, what is one of your favorite Carl stories? Okay, so here we go. Um, we're going to talk about the great flood of 2021. 
Um, so this this was a tragic day. Are you um, trying to get my blood pressure up? I, I, I really am. So here we go. Um, this was a catapult night. As most of you know, catapult, uh, if you're an alumni. If not, we do a, a, a personal service with um, just our ministry, but the families and outside community is welcome as well. Once a week on Thursdays, 7 p.m. Central, on our S2L Studio YouTube channel, Catapult. Boom, is where you can find it. So it's at the Life Point Riverdale location in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And so Carl goes up there, and he does the sound and all that. So he was getting ready. Um, one of the guys was rehearsing who was leading worship. And he also got put in charge of um, filling a tub for a baptism oh that my gosh. was on the stage. And so Can the I tell guy, you this from my perspective, Yeah, please? go ahead. Because you're telling it way too graciously. You're telling it like, oh, oh, things happen. Yeah. Right? Well, let me tell you from my perspective. For some reason, I don't know if I was speaking somewhere or whatever. I was out of town, and this church, as you mentioned, graciously has allowed us to to do catapult for two years there, three two years there, three years there now. Every Thursday, they've given us the key, letting us use their equipment. But the the filling up of the baptismal, it's a it's a trough that has this like cool, you know. They they were hesitant to let us do that for a while because there's a lot that goes to it. Yeah. Well, we were approaching this two-year mark, and they finally, Carl comes, a couple guys, hey, so-and-so wants to be baptized. Can we do it at Catapult? <sighs> Let me ask. You know, they've told me no in the past just because, you know, and so we have other places. It's not like, and I've told them we had other places to baptize, but they are like, yeah, you guys have been responsible. You could use this. And so for the very first time, we're doing the, we're filling this up, and so you could take away the story. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure the context was right. Yeah, so if he's filling the tub, he's working the soundboard, making sure you know the music's coming through okay, lights, whatever. Um, and so the guy who's performing on stage, which is Josh, he's actually a former alumni of the program as well. Josh Epifanio, music, go check him out. He's like Carl, my feet are wet, <laughs> and Carl. From what he told me, I wasn't physically there. Just sprints to the baptismal pool as quick as possible. And I can just picture the sheer panic that was going through his mind as this is happening. And then I just see our work thread being blown up with catapults canceled and just everything else that ensued. So I get a call and from Bruce. Hey, man, we got a flood in the sanctuary. I said, huh? He goes, yeah, the baptismal overflowed. And I was like, well, how does that happen? Well, you know, he told me this. And so Carl and the guys, yeah, it had to, the hose just came out. It was like 30 seconds. We weren't paying attention for 30 seconds. Yeah. It had to have been 30 minutes. Yeah. Or tw- it had to have been some minutes. He's shaking his head no, but luckily he's not on camera, uh, and he doesn't get the last word. But it was so bad. Behind the stage was flooded. The carpet was squishy in front of the stage, and it's elevated like that much. And so it was like you walk and puddles are coming, and it was we had to like four a.m. or five a.m. have like a a flood service come in, dehum everything out, make sure oh no mold gosh. was growing. And it was the flood of twenty twenty one that Ryan's talking about. That's his favorite story of Carl, and I won't go that way. I think my favorite story of Carl. I'll I'll bring it back down. Yeah, we'll, to, we'll do good guy, bad guy. We'll good cop, bad cop. That's right. My favorite story of Carl, which isn't m- many to be honest. Um, <laughs> and you heard us, his nickname in the first episode, as you know, is COVID Carl, uh, AKA Carl Krona, AKA Carl Crone. That's right. 
No, I'll be I'll be real. One of my favorite stories of Carl. And this was somewhat recently. Um, him and I always get to catapult early, a few hours early to set up and put scripture in, and he's getting the media set up and stuff. And I don't know. I was having a rough day, having a rough go at it, frustrated. I think I was preaching, and maybe it was a heavy thing. I was preaching, or I don't know what was going. On. It, was, it was really heavy. And I go outside to go to my truck, and I just see Carl. I was like, man, Carl's late. And I was a little frustrated with that, right? I'm going to be late. I'm yeah. like, I'm here. I'm here doing this. Why aren't you here doing yeah. your thing? And so I walk out to get something out of my truck, and I look over, and just at the end of the parking lot towards the road, Carl's just praying over two people. Um, I don't know if they were homeless or it just looked like they had a rough go at it. And he was just circled up praying, putting their arms around him, and they were just crying. I mean, it was like – and that's that's Carl. Absolutely. That's Carl to a T. If anyone knows Carl, our producer, it, I mean, he is – He's got a heart of gold. And so we're going to talk nice about him for a second, but every episode we have to make fun of him a little bit. At least once. At least once. Yeah. But, yeah, Carl's got a heart of gold. So as we close out uh, the episode, is there a scripture? I want to try to maybe do that. You do one one episode, I do another. Just what God's kind of teaching us. I don't think we got to it in the first episode. Um, but just is there a scripture that God's been hitting, laying on your heart? Talk about it for a little bit. So for me, um, it would probably be first John one nine. Mm. Um, and that tells us, you know, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And not only that, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I remember, you know, I think back to whenever I was at the lodge and those feelings of inadequacy, feelings of unworthiness, you know, feelings of, man, I'm, there's nothing about me righteous, mm. you know, but that posture of repentance and continuing to confess our sin to God, we repent from it, we turn from it, you know, we ask for forgiveness and we continue to walk in his truths. That's something that still resonates deep, deeply with me to this day, because you see all throughout even the book of Acts, you know, when Paul and Peter are going out and proclaiming the gospel, man, a posture of repentance is essential to mm. your alignment with God and continuing to walk in his will um, and continuing to be steadfast and run the race with endurance. Um, so that's something that's always on my heart, just a posture of repentance, continuing, continuing to confess our sin to him because he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, that's good. That's good. Amen. And, and I just want to just quickly remind people again, I'm not trying to, <laughs> not trying to make a plug for merch and stuff like that, but the forgotten pandemic.com, um, Great feedback. We really believe God's using it in a mighty way. If your church would like to play it, I don't think I said this earlier, baby, but if if you want to talk to your church, if you are someone from a church watching this, uh, we've had you know multiple churches um, schedule days that they're going to premiere this for their congregation. Um, some of them it's more like the hey they have a CR celebrate recovery um, one night and they're going to show it's forty minutes long. Uh, contact us info at spring to life dot net. Um, also the shirt that Ryan's wearing, um, you'll we'll probably, if you've watched the first episode, you heard us talk about it. Uh, and there's also a picture coming on the screen right now of the male and a female version. Uh, all of these shirts are for sale. They go towards our scholarship fund, um, that help people who can't afford to come into the program, come into the program. Uh, to date, we've given more scholarship this year, um, for men coming into the program than any year before. And I would imagine, uh, most places that do scholarship are probably the same just because of, um, you know, addiction, addiction's rampant right now. Uh, also the curriculum that we talked about lost and found s2l.net. You can go and find a whole bunch of stuff there. Uh, I think next week we'll talk about a little bit more about lost and found and, and some of that, but guys, we're thankful. Thank you so much. 
Life after addiction. Come on, you after addiction believe it. is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain, but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace, and throughout Scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.